Welcome to the Five Star Wellbeing Podcast. I'm your host, Arwen Bardsley from Even Star Wellbeing. I am a holistic health and wellbeing coach. I'm a Reiki master, and I also have qualifications as a certified food and spirit practitioner and a low tox method coach, as well as having a bachelor degree in psychology. With this podcast, I'll bring you a wide range of information to help you to bring your energy and balance back. We'll focus on the aspects of even star, five star well-being, which are food, sleep, movement, surroundings and being. In each episode, we'll focus on a topic and discuss all five aspects of well-being in relation to this topic. And in some episodes, we might just focus on one of these aspects of Even Star Five Star Wellbeing. I'm so looking forward to bringing you this episode. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Five Star Wellbeing Podcast. This will be the last episode for 2020 and it was an absolute delight to be able to actually record this interview in person with my beautiful friend Lordi Sincotta from Clean Fresh Group who is a building biologist and she joined me to talk all about creating a healthy environment in your home really is a information rich interview and I will say right up front that there is so much information in here and a lot of it can be a little bit overwhelming and even a bit frightening when we realize all the things that we don't know about potential toxins in the environments immediately around us including our homes and our offices so I want to just emphasize that I wanted to bring this interview to you purely for informational purposes to open your eyes up to things that you can start thinking about and uh, start taking action on and as Lordy beautifully puts it during the interview if you just try and make one change a, a week then you are going to have created more than 50 changes over the next year so uh, you may like to even take some notes during this interview but there are uh, there is a lot of information in the show notes which you'll be able to link to and I also do have a blog that I wrote all about healthy environments as well which has just been released and has heaps of written detail in it so you can probably refer to that if you're doing what I normally do and you're listening to a podcast while you're out for a walk or doing some absolutely fascinating work around your house what we're going to talk about is what building biology is because it's probably a term that isn't familiar to many people and also why you might like to consult a building biologist about your home's healthy environment. Lordi shares her personal story of how the fatal illness of her first husband led her to begin to investigate the toxins in food and household chemicals. 
We talk quite a bit about mould. That comes up a number of times and why this is an increasing issue in modern homes and buildings. And we also go on a bit of a deep dive into electromagnetic fields in the external environment and also the internal environment and talking about ways to mitigate the risks from those, from things like cell phone towers, but also your own use of your cell phone or mobile phone and how to make that the most risk-free thing that you can do because let's face it, we are all completely addicted to those technologies and Lordy and I are no exception to that. We also briefly cover the Wi-Fi within your home and how creating a healthy environment in your bedroom is really the most important thing to do in regards to your home environment and how to actually do that. Lordy's business, Clean Fresh Group, specialises in cleaning split systems very thoroughly to commercial grade standards and she tells us all about how they do that. And we also talk about filtering water, what is actually in our tap water and why it is really important to filter that water both for drinking and also for using anywhere on your skin. I do talk about courses that you can do to learn a lot more about this stuff, including two of my own, the Nourish and Heal the Whole You program and my seven ways to get your energy back in one month online course, which is a course you can do anytime at your own convenience and uh, start to investigate a bit more about these topics. So in the meantime, I will let you dive into it. It is a long and in-depth conversation. I hope you enjoy it and I'll touch base with you again at the end. Okay, so welcome to my last podcast episode for 2020, which is very exciting because I'm getting to do it in person with my beautiful friend, Lordi Sincotta who is a building biologist and this is a fabulous way to end the year because I haven't yet featured my one of my five elements of even star five star well-being which is surroundings and building biologists are really the experts in how to have a healthy and well environment around you healthy surroundings so Really delighted to welcome Lordy, and she has a business called Clean Fresh Group and also is a podcast host herself, so hopefully she won't think that I'm too bad at the job, but um, your podcast is called Healthier Homes and Living, so we'll certainly put links in the notes so people can access that if you want to get more in-depth information about all the wonderful things that building biologists can help us with. But for the moment, let's start with you and tell us a bit about yourself, why you got into building biology, what is your why for building biology? Firstly, thank you for having me. Uh, it's wonderful to sit here with someone and podcast. It is, <laughs> isn't it? So Zoom. nice, I know. So yeah, food is Zoom, yeah. Um, so I got into building biology through my own life experiences and um, pretty much illness and I think I'll go into that a bit more but um, building biology is where we look at your environment, your home or workspace and look at what it is in that environment that could be contributing to illness. Um, so we're kind of trained to look at the hazards in your environment and we'll come in and do that. 
So I've done a two-year um, advanced diploma, which is the only one of its kind in Australia through ACES with Nicole Bilsma, who really started the industry here yep. um, on her own, through her own journey, and she's um, she's learned a lot along the way because of that. So when she's we... a bit of a legend. She certainly is. Yeah. 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 So, um, and her story started because for people who don't know... She had 10 miscarriages in her home and realised that it was um, magnetic fields from a switchboard and uh, poor air quality because she was living on a main road and there was a lot of diesel particulates with trucks running. So once she moved from her front room to her back room, she became pregnant. So And it was really quickly as well, wasn't it? Very quickly. Memory, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it was really then that she started because she was a naturopath. Mm. So she actually started then to understand that the environment's playing a role here. So she would work with her clients then to look at their environment. And that's really how it started. Yeah. Um, building biology started back in the late 60s, early 70s in Germany. Oh. Okay. I so it, know that. Mm. Yeah, it came about because um, after the Second World War, they had a huge population boom and they needed housing. So they started whipping up apartment blocks, concrete apartment blocks, uh, very similar to what we're building at the moment with the tilt concrete slabs here that you see going up. Yep. And what they found was people were getting really sick and moving out of them. They couldn't live in them. And it was then um, Anton, I think his name is Schneider, his surname, um, who started to look at why these people were getting sick. And they found that it was the environment. That... And what? so what illnesses were they having and what specifically was it in the environment in that case? Poor indoor air quality. So there was a lot of moisture because they were concrete slabs. There were little windows, hardly any ventilation. So the yeah. air quality was poor. They were in a high rise, so they were raised off the ground. So the further away from the ground, the further from the natural environment. Yep. And, um, you know, the electromagnetic fields that we naturally need to survive. Yeah, from the earth. Yes. yes. Yep. Yeah. So that was some of what they started to realise. But mainly it was... Um, the moisture and the lack of air quality, which mm. was a really big issue. Mm-hmm. You know. So was it mouldy? Was it moisture leading to mould? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. which we'll get into. Yeah, and I think just a disconnect, disconnect from the environment. The earth. Yeah. 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 Isn't that so amazing? And we, but we haven't obviously learnt from that lesson in we're terms of what we're to. building. We're starting to. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but there's so much construction of high-rise still, isn't there? There is. And, you know, I think what we see is that there's a really big... It's starting to become a bit of a wedge because you've got a lot of money at stake. So, you know, it's not just uh, in the pharmaceutical industry or, you know, in the chemical industry. It's also in the building industry. There's a hell of a lot of money. Mm. And... um, they just haven't realised yet, I don't think. I don't believe there's enough of an understanding or a care factor yet. Yeah. But people are realising that this is making me sick and so there's going to have to be a shift at yep. some point. Yep. Yeah, there'll be a, there'll be enough um, groundswell that there will, no pun intended, groundswell <laughs> yes. getting back to Mother Earth. Um, so did you want to talk about your own experience with, you know, why personally it was of interest to you? Sure. So I, um, my first husband died 22 years ago. He had terminal cancer. He was only 32 at that stage. It was a very short diagnosis to um, sort of the end of his life. Mm-hmm. 
because he was so young and it was an aggressive cancer. And at the time, being very naive and not understanding anything about environment, we kind of went, well, we've got to do something. And my background's Lebanese, so food is really important. Mm -hmm. So that's where I started. And usually I think food is the easiest place for people to start. for anyone to start. Yeah, Yeah. So we started with food and we eliminated chemicals. We started researching, so we went organic. And um, actually at the time we went vegetarian and started looking at raw and just really how much nutrients could we maximise and supplements to give him and getting him out into nature when we could, when he wasn't in hospital and that sort of thing. So that was really where my interest started Mm -hmm. in all of that. And then I just continued on over the years to look at lifestyle and that was where we eliminated chemicals. Not that I used a lot of chemicals in cleaning my home or... You know, everyone had Glen 20 or an air freshener or, you know, we had no idea about the damage that it was doing. Yep. So it was eliminating a lot of that and changing over to more natural products because knowing myself, if it's too hard, I won't keep up Mm. with it. And, Mm. you know, I really don't want to give up things. Yeah. So I decided to find alternatives that were safer. Mm -hmm. And so kind of that's where it started to lead me down this road. And I'd seen... I'd seen the building biology course but just went, oh, I don't know much about that. And I just kind of skipped over it. I wasn't ready for it Mm. at that stage Um, and just kept going and I started my own cleaning business then because the one thing I owned cafes and the one thing I needed help with was home. And so the cleaners that I looked at were always bringing in chemicals or wanting chemical products and I didn't want them in the house and also I was quite particular and they weren't doing things up to the standards that I required or mm-hmm. would have liked. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I kind of tried to work with a number of different people and it didn't work. So I just got out of cafes and started my own. Oh, wow. What a change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Certainly a big change. But, yeah, that was where I moved into and put all the principles that I wanted into place. So no chemicals, using microfiber. This was going back 15 years ago. Yeah. And finding the most natural options we could then. And educating my clients along the way as to what we're using. Because they'd say, oh, I can't smell bleach, but gee, that smells nice. Yeah. So you kind of talk them through the options. So it's great. And that was a really interesting journey. And my partner along the way has had his own health issues. So the journey with food and looking at... So he had a stroke in his early 50s and bounced back from it, but it left him with seizures. Mm. And they were happening every three months. And we kind of thought this is just not right. It's not going to help him physically and it's just so disruptive to our business as well as everything else in life. So we just started looking again. We got really strict with food and went completely organic at that stage Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and looked at supplements and supporting his body and his system and worked with naturopaths and allied health professionals to just make sure that he was in the best shape he could be. And um, there was one thing that, there was something that we just couldn't, we were missing something. So he went from having seizures every three months, we got it stretched out to nine months. Mm -hmm. So he improved a lot, but there was still something in there that we were missing. And we worked out that it was um, wines. Ah, so the preservatives in wines. Yeah, the sulfites, yeah. So now he drinks organic, preservative-free, he has wine, or he'll have a spirit because there's no preservatives. Yep. So, and that's made 
all the difference. Oh, he, it went from nine months to three years without okay. a seizure. And okay. now he'll only, the last time he had a seizure was because he had shingles and his immune system was compromised. But generally, he's great. He hasn't had any of those. So it's been controlled through environmental and lifestyle factors. Yeah. yeah. So that was what led me into building biology because I was trying to clean up our environment and I was worried about the electromagnetic fields coming off a smart meter. It was mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. Yep. When smart meters, when there was a lot of stories yeah, yeah, about yeah. smart meters. Yeah. And so I rang Nicole and um, she talked me into the course. And ah, here I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Nicole. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very interesting that point about wine because I think a lot of people don't think about that. Like they may, you know, go down the path of mainly organic mm -hmm. food, but then they will disregard the fact that wine and, you know, obviously neither of us are going to advocate that you're necessarily drinking wine every mm -hmm. day. But, mm -hmm. I mean, in some cultures it is a thing that you do have a glass of red wine every day and, and there have been benefits found of that Definitely. through through science. Um but it can really make a big difference. And I noticed that myself, so it was something that I introduced that, you know, at home I will only have the same preservative-free organic wine, but then, you know, you go to a friend's house or you go out somewhere and they don't have that on offer and I just always feel so much worse yeah. for, you know, having even, you know, just that little, it's probably mills yeah. at maximum, wouldn't it be, of preservative, but it has a big impact and especially when you are mainly being clean then I think you notice it even you more do. yeah and that's what he found and even you know last night we were out to dinner and um he just had a gin and tonic and they were trying to get him to have a glass of wine and he said no I just don't have preservatives because I notice that even if I have a small amount I can feel it yeah so yeah you're right yeah absolutely and even in the tonic water you have to be careful yeah to get the preservative free tonic water <laughs> <laughs> you I don't know, where do you stuff? stop yeah exactly um all right that's fabulous so um I guess then the question for people who don't know anything about building biology other than what they've just learned from you telling us is why um in what situations would somebody want to employ a building biologist to use a building biologist and I guess I know that you're going to tell us about um, in these kind of situations where somebody's ill and they just can't get to the bottom of what's going on and this is the last resort of, well, I need to look at my environment. But I'd also love to hear about um, ways in which people can proactively and preventatively use building biology. Yeah. I think um, we will move towards that in the next decade. Yeah. And I think we just have to because there's just so much going on yep. with illness. Um, far more young people are becoming ill. And it is because of what we have, the increase of things in our environment. So um, I'll go back to where would you get a building biologist? Is yes. That where yeah. Start? yeah. <clears throat> so um, generally... A lot of integrative GPs or allied health professionals like naturopaths are aware of building biologists and if they've worked with someone and they realise that there may be something in the environment that could be contributing to their issues, they will get them or refer them on to a building biologist. 
at the moment, the way it comes about is, yes, we are a last resort because they've tried everything, exhausted all options, and then come across, oh, could it be my environment? But I think in raising awareness, which is one of the things I want to do. Yes. And what a lot and of us so are doing. me too. Yeah. 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 So a lot of us that um, have met in the low-tox space like you and I are raising awareness about a lot of these matters. So it will become more mainstream. Um so generally, yes, people who are sick are the ones that search out a building biologist and mainly at this point in time it seems to be mould. Mould mm. is probably the majority of the work that comes across to building biologists um, only because we have an environment or homes that are tightly sealed. So the building code, the way it's written, changed a number of years ago to, you know, the six-star energy efficiency homes. Yes, yeah. And when it did that, um, in our old homes, and I live in a 1950s home, it's really drafty, really dusty, <clears throat> building materials aside, but it's never been mouldy because there is enough ventilation airflow. through that yeah. draft and airflow, mm-hmm. whereas our new homes are really tightly sealed mm-hmm. and insulated really well, so it's great for energy efficiency. But what it's actually doing is the building code doesn't allow for... Uh, people living in these homes so they've pretty much written this code to make the house energy efficient but each of us outputs puts out 10 litres of water a day just through our breathing wow yeah it's a lot Mm. you wouldn't think Mm. but then we do washing cooking so we have a lot of moisture in our homes and a lot of people aren't trained to open their windows and allow for cross-ventilation. Yep. They used to in the olden days. Like my mum, our doors were always open. Yeah. <laughs> doors always being open and windows. And, and I think that was one of the reasons why health and perhaps um, the homes fared a lot better. Yeah. Whereas now mould is quite a big issue. And even in our kitchens uh, with the exhaust fans mm-hmm. over the stoves, mm-hmm. they're vented into the cupboards. Most of them are not vented out of the, out of or the house. into the roof. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And they should be vented out of the house. Mm. So there's a lot of issues, you know, in the way homes are built that are contributing to the mould. Um, so is there a way to – so a builder's able to get around that if you used a building biologist in a construction um, to have an energy-efficient but well-ventilated home? Absolutely. It is possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And it would be simple things like exhausting your bathroom fans and your kitchen fans outside of the ceiling. Yep. It would be looking at the positioning and the size of windows and allowing for airflow yep. within the house. Mm-hmm. So you can still have an energy-efficient home, mm-hmm. but then it also, if it's built correctly um, and with proper building materials, so building materials that are what we call hygroscopic, which um, I'll use a really good example, and this is I've always loved this example when I learned building biology. Um, in... The Alps, in the Swiss and the Italian Alps, you know, they've got the chalets mm-hmm. up in the snow. Yeah. So those chalets are hundreds and hundreds of years old and they're made of wood, but wood is hygroscopic. It's a natural material. So when it's cold, it actually takes into account the material itself knows how to hold onto or expand right. moisture yep. 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 in the heat and the cold. So the materials that we use in our homes if they're natural products, will breathe and 
take in the moisture during the cold weather and hang on to it and not allow for mould and then when warms up, you know, um, expend it. Right. So, yeah, it's really interesting, but it's about understanding the building materials. So that's where if you work with someone who's specialised, building biologist who's specialised in this to work with your architect and your builder, they'll look at the materials that are being used and give you the natural options. Yeah. Even things like the glues that they're using, you know, um, the type of wood, the MDF and, you know, the cheaper pressed wood yes. products. Yes, yep, yep, yep. They'll suggest better products that won't off-gas in your environment. So a building boulders can be really helpful during a building process. And that's true with your furniture as well, everyone. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, you, much you're so. much better off using natural products, metal or hardwood not the yeah the pressed not the manufactured wood products yeah so and they're sort of something that down the track yeah you would look at um your furniture and what it was made of and fire retardants on material yeah another thing that is a huge contributor we know in the indoor environment so this is all part of the i've kind of moved into air quality now yeah but which is your favorite topic yeah 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 so going back to the original question, yes, mould is probably one of the biggest things that we're called in for and people now are becoming very aware of EMFs. And yes, so, yeah, yes. I was going to say that because mm. you did mention that briefly before. Mm. Um, so so you think people are starting to be proactive yeah. about that? Yeah, there's a yep. lot more people calling in wanting um, assessments mm-hmm. and I think the issue of um, 5G, the advertising around 5G, has highlighted a lot of the EMF or EMR, electromagnetic radiation issue. And so people are starting to to make noise and they're getting assessments done. Yes, and we should just say, so EMF, in case anybody isn't aware, electromagnetic frequency. Yeah. yeah. Field, yeah. Field, okay. And EMR is electromagnetic radiation. radiation. So they, they're, they're an, yeah, an umbrella term. Okay. Yeah. And so what... Um, creates these as an issue okay. what within our homes. So you've got your internal and you've got your external. So externally we're talking about cell phone towers is the major, major source of um, EMF. And can make can some people very sick. Very one sick. About. So our teacher that we met, how we met through doing the low-tox course with Alex Stewart is... She's extremely sensitive yeah. to this and has had a big issue recently with that. And it's probably, I reckon it's something that a lot of people don't consider. No, they don't because mm. we're, we're not educated about this. So yeah. we're told it's safe. And you and I both know through studying with Alex and I've done some studies out of the US and pretty much the way um, Australia looks at it, the US is very very much the same, is that... The onus isn't on the manufacturer of a product to prove that it's safe. Unfortunately, the way that that it works here for us is that we have to get sick and then prove it was that that made us sick. In Europe, they've got REACH. I don't know if you've heard of REACH. So REACH is a body that they have. And the Europeans are really different. And this is what I love about the Europeans is that they won't allow a product to go out unless the manufacturer proves it's safe. So they're the total opposite of, you know, Australia and America. Yeah, our method. Okay. So with a cell phone phone tower, Mm -hmm. um, 
I guess how close can you live to one and and be reasonably confident it's not going to affect your health? Um, each of us is different. Right. So it will affect different people. So Alex, for example, really, really sick, but she's quite close to a tower. In her case, the tower was concealed, which they're now starting to do. They're concealing because they're quite unsightly, like they're pretty mm, ugly, they if, if I must say yeah. so. Um, and that they're a blight on the landscape. So they're starting to now make them a lot smaller mm. and they're painting them or they're hiding them. In Alex's case, they had covered it over so it looked like it was something on, you know, like maybe an air conditioning unit, like a big box on the top of the building. Oh, wow. But they were inside that, which right. is why it wasn't picked up until... A building biologist came in with, you know, um, equipment and tested. Yeah. And they found the levels were really high. That's when they worked out what it was. Mm. Because everything else she invented, mould yes, and building materials. And, yeah. 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 So sometimes they're, they're not sighted. Um, but on the whole, you will see it. And a minimum, absolute minimum safe distance is about 400 metres and you really don't want it it's in a line of sight. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. okay. So if it's visible, um, on ground level is a little bit better, mm-hmm. but the higher up you go, sort of up towards the height of the tower, obviously the frequencies. Yeah. yeah. yeah obviously okay. It's, um, it's very much higher on the second level of and that's why high rise is really notorious for being mm, not great for us as humans because apart from being away from the natural magnetic fields of the earth and you know all of that and the issues with mold that we talked about till the yeah. great slabs yeah. the higher yeah. up you are the more susceptible you are to the emfs in in the air as we get higher yeah so, okay wow so is there anyone who um, identifies where these things are and puts them on a map that people can there is look up on the internet or something? There is. I'll, oh, give, good. You, I'll give you a link to this <laughs> yeah. and that you can pop in the show notes and you can pop in an address and it'll show you all the towers like, as dot points on a map. So it's like a Google map. Yep. Um, and you'll be able to see it and it'll give you the distances. So okay. And that's where you would do a search and look at it, nothing under 400 metres. Now, that's not always true. That is a rule of thumb. But I will say the house that I've just rented, and this is, you know, it's just really interesting. So where I've rented, there is um, two towers. One's about 350 metres from me and one's just under 400 metres. But where they are, are both up on hills and I'm almost in a valley. Right, okay. So they actually go, I took measurements because I was really concerned mm-hmm. um, before I rented this and thought, oh, this is the house is perfect but this isn't going to work. And yep. funnily enough, the readings were great. So we mm-hmm. took the house mm-hmm. because they have no impact. So really it's all about testing it Yep. because if I went by the 400-metre rule, I wouldn't have rented the place. Yeah, you would so, have just not even looked at it. Yeah, correct. Okay. So... But generally, ideally, you would want them 400 metres away. So because I was in a ditch, or not a ditch, but on flat land and the towers were a lot higher, right. it was quite safe. Okay. So, yeah. And so how do you measure that? So we have um, equipment. Um, they look like sort of they're about that big. And then it's got like a Christmas tree. We call it a Christmas tree mm-hmm. nozzle thing on the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're German equipment, so they're... 
there is really, really expensive equipment that people like um, government departments, like our Panzer, who's the um, Australian Radiation Protection Body that mm -hmm. makes the rules, they've got equipment that's worth in the tens of thousands, which is not practical, um, and that needs calibration. So our, our equipment does need calibration to make sure that it's testing properly, but it's more in the sort of under 10,000 range, so mm -hmm. um, professional equipment. So it is professional. There are there are little units that you can get under $1,000, not as ideal, but they could be used as screening tools to just give you an indication if it may be a problem. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a really good little uh, little meter. I'm trying to think, mitometer. Yep. Um, that's under 300. I think it's under 200 actually. It's not calibrated to building biology standards, okay. but it will it will light up. It's pretty simple to use, easy to pop in your handbag and, you know, take it around with you and kind of just to work out, am I being impacted? If you're checking out new properties or Correct. something. And or if you find a high spaces. reading, mm -hmm. you could then say, okay, I really want to buy this property or rent it, but I might get a building biologist in to do a, 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 you know, a better screening for yeah. me. Yeah, okay. Sort of a, pre-purchase or pre-lease assessment. Yeah, okay. So, so that's a, a proactive way that we can use building biology. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of taken a bit of a detour, haven't we? we? Have. What else? Sorry, so I no, went that's, off on external. No, that was me. But internal is where it's really important. The external yep. does matter. Yes. But really in the society that we're living in today, it's our internal habits. And if we can minimise our internal habits then we've got a much better chance um, because you're you're sitting bathed in it in yeah. your home, whereas this tower is 400 or 800 metres away. It'll impact, but you, it's not as close to you. So we look at what we call long-term or latency periods. So if you're passing by a cell tower, for example, yep. that's only transient. It's not going to affect you because you're passing or yep. you're somewhere that has Wi-Fi in a cafe, you're there for an hour, it's not really affecting you. But in your home, you're being, being bombarded 24-7 with these frequencies. Mm. And so what we find is our, our phones, so our mobile phones, our Wi-Fi, so our routers, mobile phone routers. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just trying to think. A lot of the kids, um, what do you call them, the Wiis and the Xboxes. Yep, yep, yep. the gaming they, machines, they, consoles. Uh, yeah. Yes, the consoles, that's the word, thank you. Um, I haven't had to talk about them for a no, while. No, My boys are all as I do, yeah. Um, so the consoles are another area. Apple TV gives off really high readings. Mm -hmm. So these are all things that um, are an issue in your home and you're with them 24-7. So most people's... Simple ways to reduce. Do you want me to jump into how reduce? Yes, please. Yeah, absolutely. So really simple. When your um, cell phone is with you, don't carry it on your body. Yep. So the closer um, it is to you, the higher the concentration that your body is being bombarded with. Yep. And so there's. Uh, we were taught the inverse square law so if, if you double the distance away from the source which is your phone so even if especially when we're using it to our head mm. if you double the distance to this sort of distance you've reduced your exposure by 75 percent yeah 
So if you keep it away from you, so with your phone, um, keep it off your body. So don't wear it in your pocket. Yep. Um, use earphones. Yep. And preferably air tube without magnets in them. Mm. I'll give you a link to that. Mm. There's a really good one that we sourced out of the US. Oh, that's good because I have had a pair of those and they just really were not very good yeah, at no, all. They're not, yeah, no. okay. These are good. You'll like these. Okay. Um, so you're moving the signal away from your brain, yep. which is really important. It's the major organs, your brain, your heart, are really important to keep it away from, you know, keep them away from you. Um, and those little ear pod things are um, a disaster, they correct? They are a disaster yeah. thing to happen. Yeah. Ear listening kids. Sorry. Sorry to burst everyone's bubble. Yeah. My son will not listen. To, he's 25. He won't listen. And I just keep no. saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, you've got to get rid of those things. Yeah. But, yeah. Because they, it's right next to your brain. So that yeah. frequency is literally in your ears and going. Yeah. And it's very close to the brain. Yeah. And the thing with using your phone is that even within Apple, many people may have heard this, it's somewhere buried in their terms and agreements and whatnot in the phone. They actually say to hold it a couple of yes. inches away yeah, from your I head. I do remember. But I nobody remember. knows that. Yeah. It's that we've talked about it. Yeah. But um, it is dangerous and they don't know because the latency periods for brain tumours are 15 to 20 years. Now, we've only had mobile phones for about that time. Yeah, yeah. So really I think in the next decade is where we're going to see a real explosion so, so devastatingly of, you know, a lot of cancers and a lot more illnesses because we're not realising that these are harmful to our health. Yep. But having said that, I love technology and I carry it everywhere. It's just about we can have all of this. It's just about being safe, using yes. it safely. Yeah. So keep it away from you. Use speakerphone. Yes. You know, that makes it safe. It's not near your brain. You know, you've got it out. And here. are there any, because I know you can get little stickers and things that are supposed to protect from the EMFs. Is there anything that as a building biologist you would recommend? We don't recommend them. We haven't tested them. Okay. Yeah. So we can't authorise them and say, yes, they do, because yep. we haven't tested. Yeah. But um, realistically, if the sticker was eliminating the danger or eliminating the signal, you wouldn't be able to use the phone. So it's kind of a mm. bit like, well... If I can still use my phone, then how much is it mitigating? Yeah, sure. So that would That's be the logical. one thing I will say yeah, about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And even when you purchase, um, there are a lot on the market, like uh, little covers or cases yes, to put yeah. your phone in. Mm-hmm. If that phone still rings in there, that means there's a signal yep. and it's receiving a signal. So in order to make it safe, it should not receive a signal. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so when it's if you want to carry it on your body, or in your bag against your body, if it's in a case where it's actually shielded, that, you know, it won't affect you. It won't ring, but if it's on your body and you're just going for a walk, you've got it with you. If you need to use it, you can. But at least if it's in your back pocket as a male, right near your, you know, reproductive organs, yeah. and women as well, yeah, which is where we put these phones. So, you know, there's a whole host of issues that will start coming up in mm. years to come. Mm. 
about the way we use things. So ideally you would, um, I know there are people out there who actually, you know, literally put it on aeroplane mode. Yes. You know, unless they're actually using it at the time, it's always on aeroplane mode. And that's what I was going to say. So the things that we can do to have it, if you really don't want to switch it into aeroplane mode, use your speaker, use some, you know, air tube earpieces. Yeah. Pop it on a bench, talk at a distance, but aeroplane mode is definitely the way to go. Mm -hmm. But you've got to really ensure also when it is in aeroplane mode, um, I might send you a picture of it. That might be good to put in your show notes. If you've still got Wi-Fi and Bluetooth switched on in your settings, it's still going to be on even if it's in aeroplane mode. You want to ensure that they are always off. Right, okay. So even the Bluetooth has got to be... Right, okay. Bluetooth is probably... um, How do I put it without being alarmist? It's quite... Bluetooth pulses, so we can't feel it, but there's a pulse being emitted by a Bluetooth that your body's absorbing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's difficult because... It's not seen mm. and we can't feel it. So people don't realise the dangers. Mm. But, yeah, they should be off. Bluetooth should be off. Right. Should be off. Okay. Okay. Unless you need to connect. Yep. Yep. And pop it in aeroplane mode. Yeah. As long as it's away from you. So what I do is I don't turn my phone off. I've got a business. I've got children. I've got a partner who's, you know, always calling. So I have it in the room, but it's just away. It's sort of over on the bench over there. Yep. When it rings, I hear it. And you can go to it. Yeah, yeah. you can yeah. go take your call. So really, it's and it's the further away from you that it, that it is, the better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's with your phones. Um, they should never be in the bedroom at night. That's yes. another big no-no. That is another thing that I always say, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, because most people, and I was one of them until I learnt this, I would use it as my alarm. Yeah. But it was never in aeroplane mode, so yeah. you don't realise that. But you can have it in aeroplane mode. On your bedside table, still use it as an alarm, but provided it's not charging because then it will give off different fields because it's then you're talking electric and magnetic fields. Right, okay. Which is a whole different thing. So um, what I now do is I charge my phone during the day as yep. opposed to night. Overnight. Right, yeah. right. So okay. it's just little habit changes. Yes. It's, it's not hard. It's just changing habits slowly, slowly yep. that we can make these things safer for us. So... I still have, I actually have my iPad, I don't bring the phone in, but I have an iPad that's just solely always on aeroplane mode mm-hmm. and that's my alarm, it just sits there mm-hmm. and yeah. it's safe. So yeah. when I need to charge it, I just wait on charge during the day yeah. when I'm not sleeping and I'm nowhere near it. So mm-hmm. it becomes safe. Or just buy an alarm clock, people, a little one with a battery in it. Yes, <laughs> not digital because not digital, they are also yeah. an issue. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just a little alarm clock. Which, so yeah. um, if we move then on to just other general electrical yeah. appliances, what is the issue with that and what's the safest way to use them? So alarm clocks are the next one that we find because you've got them right near your yeah. head. Yeah. Um, and the easy, easy swap for that is just a battery clock, yeah. like you just said. And yeah. they're only about $20-odd. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cheap. I got one in an op shop, actually. It was probably $2, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, whatever yep. works. Mm. So um, in your bedroom, really, what we want and what we teach as building biologists is one of the issues is you will know with your health background, sleep is really important. Yes. So we want eight hours or thereabouts 
you don't need eight hours, that's fine. But can you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that sleep period is where your body needs to restore and regenerate. Yep. And if we're, yeah. yeah. And if we're being bombarded with all of these frequencies, this is the issue that we're finding. So you would want to create a sleep sanctuary. So your room is for sleep and sleep alone. So no digital devices in there is what we suggest. Mm. And so just your wind-up clock, no mobile phone, just really simple. So that's really, really vitally important. I think sleep is the critical one. And that means when you look at the rest of the house, most people have uh, a router that has a Wi-Fi component. Yep. That should be switched off at night. Yep. So a lot of people will just tend to put it on a timer, mm. just like the Christmas tree timers, mm. switch it off at 10.30, like it goes off automatically so you don't have to remember to do that. Switches off at, say, 10.30 or 11, whenever you go to bed. Timer would switch it off. Yep. And then if you get up at 5.30 or 6 or just have the timer switch it back on so you've had restorative sleep yep. without the Wi-Fi. You don't need it while you're sleeping. Yeah, you don't. You know? So we just don't think of these things because we don't realise that they are harmful. Mm. But that's probably really important. So that would be after the mobile phone and the alarm clock would be the, the Wi-Fi. Router. Yeah, the Wi-Fi. Um, what about little, like, lights next to your bed? They don't give off um, the same frequencies as mobile phones. Yes. But they've got different, they've got electric and magnetic fields. Yeah. So it means that there's electricity running through the walls and it's giving off magnetic fields as well. So if you read like I do, it's kind of, you know, it needs to be a bit of a risk management sort of a scenario as well. Well, I've eliminated everything out of my bedroom that I possibly could. I know these are an issue. So I use it to read and then I move it to the edge of my bedside table so as far away from me as possible right, when yeah. I go to bed. So yeah. it's about saying, well, I still need to live my life yeah. and be practical so yeah. I can't completely live in a tent out in the bush or anything. Yeah. So, um, yes, any electrical devices should be... Um, magnetic field will come out 1.5 metres. Okay. So yeah, it's a long way. Yeah, so. it is. So if you can... My, mine are plugged in right behind my bedside table, so it's a bit of a you know a mission effort to pull it out, mission yeah. to get to them every yep. night. Yeah, but some people may have the plug on the side, and if they don't mind, just go and switch off the plug and pull it out of the wall. Mm. Then there is nothing coming off that. Yeah, it becomes safe. Yeah, yep. so it's just with a little bit of education and understanding, you can actually still use all these things and be safe. Um. And the risk of the magnetic field is for the brain as well? Magnetic fields, um, in 1979, there was a study done. This is before Freedom of Information and all of that stuff, before they, you know, you couldn't get your hands on records. They were done by a couple of, uh, one of them was an epidemiologist. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I can never say that word. Um and the other one was, I believe, a scientist or an engineer. Anyway, Wertheimer and Leeper. And mm -hmm. it's a, quite a well-known study, and I can give you a link to it if anyone is interested in reading it. But what they found was uh, with the high-voltage transmission lines that we see that, you know, carry, you know, big ones, not our distribution lines that are outside our houses, yeah. but the ones that carry all the electricity, so they look like the transformers. Yes, so what they found was that children that lived under those 
high-voltage transmission lines for the first 15 years of their life had a greater where the magnetic field was measured at 4 milligauss and above. Um, and they are because there's such a concentration under those yep. towers. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, a 50, I think it was a 50% increased risk of contracting leukaemia. And that just highlighted since, you know, the early 80s now that children and magnetic fields, you know... Um, are not friends. Do, they do a lot of damage. They do damage to us. Wi-Fi is the greater issue at the moment. So so yeah. it's really a whole body risk um it's not just the brain that may be at risk health-wise from electromagnetic fields. Correct. Yeah. yeah, okay. But in general, they do have effects on us. It all has effects. And the way we live, we now have um, radio frequencies, so RF, which is your phones and your Wi-Fi, and they're the radio frequencies. Then you have magnetic fields and electric fields that come from electrical appliances that give off two fields. Mm-hmm. And it, which field depends on whether it's on or off, right. if it's in use or not, okay. as to whether you have an electric or an electric and a magnetic field. Okay. So we have a lot more um, frequencies that we're exposed that are to. around us so all it's, the time. It's yeah. becoming a synergistic effect. So mm-hmm. it's not just one frequency, it's three frequencies that we're being, you know, assaulted with really. Mm. And it's long-term, it's 24-7 because it is inside our homes and it's in a close field to our bodies. So this is where making it safer. You know, with my internet, I got rid of my Wi-Fi and I had my um, non-believer son help me because he's an IT boy. But he humoured me and I said to him, I don't want Wi-Fi. So he went and found me a router that is hardwired. Now, the downside is I have cables running along the house i've got ethernet cables but i don't have wi-fi bombarding me during the day yeah but he did buy me a separate wi-fi component so that if something happens or i need to i can't run a cable or whatever or there's a study group happening and we don't have you know eight cables yeah we can switch (laughs) the wi-fi on for an hour or two yeah and we do yeah but it's unplugged and it doesn't emit any of the time so i still have wi-fi Yep. but I choose when I use it. Yep. So really that's what I kind of try and educate people with mm. is that we can have them and use them safely. Yeah. Things like now jumping back into a magnetic field, an appliance, one that comes to mind is an induction stove, which a lot of people mm-hmm. have, and that emits enormously high magnetic fields. So you can't kind of say, well, don't have one if that's what you want to use. Yeah. But the way you would mitigate that would be, well, when you're cooking, don't stand in front of it for an hour. If you're cooking something like, I don't know, casserole, you'll come and go. But as long as you're away from it, it's the amount of time you spend in the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you can remove yourself from the field, that's where it becomes safer. And so at least a metre and a half away from that yeah. is removing yourself yeah. from the field. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Roughly, yeah, the rule of thumb is a metre and a half okay. for those fields. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, like lights and, I mean, we have so many little appliances, hair dryers, yep. your, all your little cooking, you know, your food processor and all that sort yep. of stuff. Um, is it simply a matter of obviously turning them off when you don't, you're not using them, Correct. but is it 
um, better to turn them off at the PowerPoint? Do you need to actually pull them out of the PowerPoint? It would be more ideal if you could. Right. Pull okay. them out of the PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. um, but as long as they're off is a good start. Mm -hmm. But yes, definitely unplugging them would be the best case scenario because then you've eliminated completely any fields. The connection. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yep. I didn't know that about pulling it out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So we think we're switching them off. They're okay, but you actually need to pull it out because there's still a connection to the electricity. Mm -hmm. So it is still connected. Mm. It's just not giving off the magnetic field at that stage. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and then, so I guess if we can talk about some other common um, things in the house. So we've, we have spoken about mould. I guess what's the... Obviously, opening your windows and doors is a great um, way Usually, to alleviate yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and anything else that we can do that's simple other than eliminate chemicals. So I don't know. Probably most of your listeners will be on that journey, but well, if, hopefully, yes. Hopefully, if they're but listening. if they're not, um, household products and personal care products are two huge areas. So the more we can reduce our exposure to man-made chemicals yep. better mm -hmm. um when i first eliminated air fresheners i went to essential oils yep. now essential oils while natural can be really potent because yep. they're still they are still a chemical mm. compound yeah just because plant. yes yep. exactly mm -hmm. so just because they're natural it doesn't mean they won't do harm they will you've got to be cautious with everything yeah but we can find safer swaps so if you're using a diffuser, for example, and you're in a sealed room, you're putting moisture into the air. So you want to have your windows open, even if it's sort of just that much. Yeah. Um, you just need a little bit of ventilation to dilute and bring your relative humidity down in the room. So you want to dilute the air mm -hmm. um, and make it safe. Same when you're cooking, open your doors and windows yep. or a door, a window, even if it's a little bit. Yeah. It will help to dilute the air, mm -hmm. you know. I often say to people, when you get up in the morning and you kind of flip your sheets over, air out your bed for a yes. few minutes while you're in the bathroom, yep. give it five minutes, open a window, let some air flow through, yep. and then you've diluted that air from the night before that you've been breathing. Yeah. Because that in itself creates indoor air quality issues mm -hmm. because of, you know, Carbon dioxide. Yeah. What we emit. Yeah. Mm. And so. what about then having plants indoors? Is that a recommendation or do they have mould issues and things? They do have a number of issues. And I know Nicole, for one, recommends that you don't put them in the bedroom mm -hmm. um, because of the carbon dioxide thing. Mm -hmm. uh, people who have mould sensitivities could be and generally are um, affected by the soil. Yep. And you're putting water in there yep. and to water the plants. So you're putting moisture into the soil and into the air. So you want to be careful that you're not overloading your indoor air and raising your relative humidity levels because that's what the moisture... So for mould to occur, we need two things. We need high relative humidity, over 60%, mm -hmm. and you need a heavy dust load, which is the food. Yep, and for the mould. Yep. For mould, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's how you get mould. So if you can... Manage your relative humidity with a hygrometer. Yep. Really cheap tool from JCAR, about $25. Yes. Just always keep an eye on the relative humidity. And if it starts to creep up, depending on the weather outside, it'll tell you just pop a window open and you'll watch that percentage 
decrease. Yes. So they're really easy, simple fixes once you know how to manage your environment. Yeah. That you can keep it fairly safe. And keep dusting is the other tip. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Because the more we reduce that dust load, because it's the dust that carries a lot of the um, allergens. Yeah. So people who have allergies generally won't have carpet because there's a lot that, you know, the carpet holds. It's like a sink. Yeah. So it'll actually hold onto stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Dust load is really important. And um, anything else then for – so I'll just briefly mention as well in regards to personal care and cleaning products – um, there, it's something that we covered extensively in our low tox course, and it's something that I cover extensively in my Nourish and Heal the Whole You course, and is um, covered more briefly in my Seven Ways to Get Your Energy Back in One Month course, um, which anybody can do anytime. It's all online now, that little course. But if you want to delve into a lot of detail and understand, the exact issues, what what exactly each of the chemicals are doing potentially to your body that are found in all these really common things that most people have in their homes to, to do their cleaning, to do their laundry, to look at to look after their their themselves, their skin, their hair care, makeup, um, then I do delve into that in a great deal of depth in the Nourish and Heal the Whole You program. So if anybody's interested in learning about that, it is there on offer for you. And also we probably should mention um, uh, Alex Stewart does have her Go Low Tox course. Um, I think she only does it twice a year, yeah. So um, probably you'd need to wait a few months to to do the next intake of that because I think there's one just finishing again. But um, that's a really good resource as well that you you can do and it you know you'd be surprised how easy it is to make the swaps once you get into the habit and you actually yeah. become quite um, quite strict about what you will and won't use um, and especially in regards to things that we're using um, that we're going to put into our bodies so how you're washing your dishes how you're you're cooking utensils and also what you're putting on your bodies in regards to makeup and skincare and stuff are the really super important ones because they're directly in contact with your skin or in fact going into your body um so really important to get on top of that if you really want to be as well as you can be um, so I'm just having a look at all the things we wanted to cover. Uh, did you want to talk about water as well? Water is important. And the other thing that I haven't touched on is something that we do in our business. I set up a division of our business is to look at split system. Oh, yes. Yes. I was going to bring that up. Yes. Uh, Cause that's another really big thing. It is. And something I did not know until. Nicole pushed us into setting up this part of our business because nobody really quite understands it. So just because of the nature of the way a split system works, there's a lot of moisture, very high relative humidity within the unit because hot and cold and sort of behind the condenser is where a lot of this happens. And there's a heavy dust load because we're not taught to maintain them. Mm. So many, many units are never cleaned and they have mould, and this becomes an indoor air quality issue because that is blowing into your environment, and then we're breathing mould spores. So, And while most of us are not affected 
by it and may never be. There are a lot of people that are, and especially if you've got allergies, asthma, sickly children, you've got anything going on, you're going to be affected by Yeah, it. so it's nearly 25% of the population, I think it's 24, yes. actually genetically cannot deal with mould, with the mycotoxins from mould. So it that's a quarter of the population. Yeah. It's amazing. It really is. Mm. Yeah, so... That's one of the things that we do within our business. But um, on the subject of mould and cleaning, I may mention, though, this is one of the issues that I combat a lot. Oh, People yes. use bleach. Yes. Please don't use bleach on mould. Yeah. We've got, there's a misconception out there that the bleach will kill the mould. It doesn't. The bleach, in fact, only... It's like getting a, a white out and whiting it out. It's yeah. still there underneath the bleach. Yeah. It just looks better, but it's still there. But the danger comes from when you put bleach on the spores, what you're doing is they're looking at it going, they're trying to kill us, so we're going to fight back. They don't want to die. So what they do is they release MVOCs. So they release a very nasty chemical reaction and that is what people react to. So when you actually put bleach on mould, you're actually making the mould a lot worse. It becomes toxic. Yeah. So that's one of the issues around mould. And there is a difference between moulds. There is mould that you get in your shower behind your silicon, and that's going to be natural. That comes from moisture and, you know, the nature of bathrooms and whatnot. But when you've got mould on your walls or on your ceilings, that's a real water issue. So you've either got very high humidity or you've got a water leak coming from somewhere yeah. that needs to be investigated. You need to address the root cause of that. But, yeah, I just wanted to mention please yeah. don't use bleach on mould. So what would you recommend people do use? We, as a business, use warm soapy water mm -hmm. and scrub down our showers just mm -hmm. with a little scour pad or some scour brushes and we scrub mm -hmm. because, unfortunately, Easy Off BAM and all these they don't work. None of this stuff works. We've got to go back to basics. And if you maintain your bathroom, um, you need to get rid of the soap scum and, you know, the body fats and oils. and Which it, are what the mould is going to feed on. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. food there. Mm. So um, you want to wash that down. And the key to controlling mould is always control the moisture. Yeah. So after you've had a shower, what we do and what we give our clients and have educated them to do is, you know, the little squeegees that mm -hmm. you clean glass with? Yeah, yeah. Your like your car. Yeah. <laughs> so we have hooks in the showers and we have a little squeegee, just tiny little squeegees. The Full Circle brand is really great because yep. they're ethical and sustainable. And that's what we use. So you have a squeegee and you squeegee down your tiles and your glass so you get all that water off the walls mm -hmm. and then you just squeegee the base bits into the drain. Yep. Just use your microfiber drafted microfiber cloth to just dry it off yeah and you'll get longevity out of the amount of times you have to clean your shower because if you're leaving the water there it's water has minerals in it and it's minerals that mark and streak when they dry ah, okay. so if you're drying that off then you're actually um eliminating the chance for these marks yeah so, so it'll look a lot cleaner it will, it will be a lot a cleaner lot and a lot less moldy yeah and it will give you the best chance at, you know, not getting mould issues in there. Oh, it's pretty okay. simple. It's a habit. Yeah, you have to spend a few minutes after your shower just squeegeeing it down quickly. Yep. It doesn't have to be a perfect, yep. you know, 
just removing most of the moisture. Most of the moisture. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in regards to the um, uh, split systems, I'm just looking at my the one up there. Um, so. People can certainly clean the dust off them if they learn to open them up and take those filtering the things out. out. Yep. Yes. Yep. And even across the top of the unit, you'll notice nobody ever dusts across the top. Yeah. Just even with your vacuum cleaner, once every few months, you know, put the round um, brush on it yep. and just vacuum the dust off. Okay. You know, off the casing of the unit because any dust that you can eliminate is less food yeah, for mould. For mould, yeah. yeah. Okay. So okay. just keeping a control of your dust load throughout your house will prevent a lot of things. And then in regards to the specialist cleaning that your business does, mm-hmm. so how often should they be cleaned using that kind of process? It's probably every 12 months, mm-hmm. but if they've maintained the dust load and the pre-filters, which are the you know the filters that you're talking about when you open the lid, yeah, filters that you pull mm-hmm. down, them out. Yep. and you've vacuumed a lot of it and you've really reduced your dust load, you could probably stretch it 18 months, two years, mm-hmm. okay. depending on your usage. Yep. Some people use it heating, cooling year-round, yeah. so obviously they should be cleaning it at least once a year. Mm-hmm. If you only use it on really hot days or really yeah. cold days, yeah. it might go a couple of years. Yeah, okay. So it's not a cheap process. There's a lot of work involved to basically strip down that unit, hang a bag, um, a catchment bag, and that, and we pressure wash the oh, unit. Oh, wow. Okay. So it is actually pressure washed. Um, all the pieces are taken outside, washed down. Um, and then brought back in and reassembled. It's dried off mm-hmm. for moisture mm-hmm. and then reassembled. Wow. So that could be a three-hour process. Yeah, I yeah. imagine. Per one. Yeah, yeah. per one. Wow. So it's full on. Yeah. It's not remediation, but it's kind of in between just a fluff clean and a remediation, more down the remediation end. So mm-hmm. it will definitely eliminate a lot of mould. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um, what else? Is there anything water. else we need to ask? Oh, yes, water. water. Yes, yes. Um, from both of our studies, we both know that uh, filtering your water is really important. Yep. And I think most people think they're drinking water, so they're doing really well. But what we don't know is there are a lot of chemicals added into the water to, mm. disinfect, and add, to disinfect it at the treatment plant. And then uh, along the way... We have, uh, through the distribution system, not all the pipes are safe. We still have asbestos pipes. There'll be metal pipes. There'll be plastic pipes. And there is no map telling you what your water picks up on the way through the distribution system until it gets to your house. Um, There could be lead. There's a lot of heavy metals, pesticides. So there's, apart from fluoride and chlorine, and so there's a hell of a lot of stuff in the water. Mm. So I... I, we always recommend to filter your water in some way. And, you know, even a basic water bottle with a charcoal filter won't take out a lot, but it'll take out some. some yeah. You know, it, eliminating any any of the pesticides and chemicals and heavy metals is going to be better for you than not. So yeah. whatever you can afford, if it's only a $30 jug or a bottle with yeah. a charcoal stick in it, yeah. start with that. Yeah. Start where you can yeah. and then kind of work your way towards it. There are lots of benchtop units, like a, um, Zazen is one that comes to mind. I think waters do 
um, Waters Co. Yeah, yeah. do bench top units. Yeah, they do. Um, the Southern Cross, that's the one yes, I've got, that's which another I love. One. Yeah. yeah, and they're beautiful because they're ceramic. They're ceramic. They yeah. look really nice. They're gorgeous. And your water tastes so much better. You can notice yeah. the difference, yeah. yeah. So anything you can, depending on your budget and where you're at, but start somewhere and start and slowly, once you get comfortable with your little bottle, then maybe start thinking about a bench top unit if you don't want to start there, save towards that. And then, mm. But yeah, definitely filtering your water. And is, you can get a whole house filtration system, which obviously is going to be expensive and not something you would do if you're renting, correct? Like you and I both are. But um, it's something to think about if you're if you own your own home or you're certainly if you're building a new home definitely. or renovating. Yeah. Mm. It's not just the water we drink. It's also we're showering. Correct, yeah. And the chlorine in the showers is quite dangerous. So what I've done is I have, you know, the hosey things. Yep. So I'm, I'm lucky enough that I have that where I'm renting. And I've just bought one that has a filter in the sort of the head bit yep. that you use on that hose. Yeah. And all I did was untwist the hose that was there and twisted my filtered hose in so yeah. now I shower in filtered water. Yeah. And then when I leave, I'll just put their filter back. back. Yeah. So really I haven't tampered simple. with the system. It's yeah. just in the shower itself, just that little yeah. nut thing that you unscrew. So yeah. And, and that's an easy that. fix. And they're really cheap, aren't they? It's about 150 or $180. Mm. It's a very low price to pay for clean for, water yes, going absolutely. on your skin at least yeah. once a day. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Mm. So... Lots of little things that you can do. It's just, it's very overwhelming when you first come across mm. it. And what I always teach is don't look at the big picture. Let's just tackle one thing at a time. Yep. So where do you want to start? Let's just make a list. And I always say one swap a week and over the course of a year, you've made 52 yep. swaps. You will have no idea yep. how much healthier you'll feel. Yeah. And you've done it with ease. Mm. One thing a week's manageable. Mm. It is, yeah. So that that's a great um, that's a great tip. One swap a week, yeah. and also I just always like to say to people to not become yeah stressed and overwhelmed yes. by all this stuff and you know worrying about oh my goodness all these things that potentially I'm you know doing to my kids or whatever because I don't filter the water and. Um, the stress that you're going to feel as a result of that kind of worry is worse than whatever it is that's Absolutely. in your environment that you now you know and now you can change it. So um, just relax and go with the one change, one swap a week, and you will get there to a beautiful, healthy environment and surroundings. Um, anything else we haven't covered uh, other than your podcast? I'd love you to just um, quickly tell people what that's about um, and where they can find it. Sure. So um, Tammy, Simone and I all met while we were studying and realised that there needs to be some form of education out there that a lot of people are unaware of the dangers of a lot of things or the issues. So we decided to set up a podcast just before COVID and then had to work out how to, like everybody, Do it all on Zoom. So we've had some really interesting people. So we look at it as sharing the knowledge, our combined knowledge and wisdom. So we hope there's wisdom in there, but um, sharing it with everybody. And we're interviewing people we know or people we love and admire Mm. and relating it back into how it contributes to 
the way we live and how we live. And, you know, while as building biologists we all talk about the environment, there's also an internal environment, which mm. you talk about. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we did a great podcast. Tammy and I interviewed Elena Brower yesterday, who is um, a yoga instructor and uh, one of the essential oil leaders in doTERRA. But um, Elena has had a fascinating journey and, you know, just talking to her about really the way she lives, even just during that interview, she was so calm that we left the interview really calm. Mm. And that's really important, as yeah. you just said. And that's the energy that that you're putting out into your environment that she's obviously put out, you've absorbed, then yeah. you go on and put that out and, yeah, yeah it so all has really, a knock-on effect. Yeah, so she was really interesting and we learned from our guests. And it's called... Again, healthier homes and living. Healthier homes and living, and your podcast is on all the platforms as it well is, as iTunes yeah. and all of the majors, Spotify, yeah. all of that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then, what about for yourself for Clean Fresh Group? Um, you do it's commercial cleaning now, is that right? Yes, it and is. the um, split, split, system. split system. So, if people need that kind of service, what's the best way for them to find you? Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and I can give you our details, email. You've got address. a website. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So cleanfreshgroup.com.au. We'll have all that in the, um, in the notes and people can find you. Thank you. I would really love to thank you. It's been so nice to talk and be able to do it in person and, yeah, have somebody who's just so closely aligned with, all the work that I do and the message that I'm trying to get out there. And I always think it, you know, people are more likely to pay attention the more people are saying these things to them. So Correct. really great. Thank you for having me, letting me My talk. Pleasure. Oh. I hope I haven't scared everyone. There's nothing to be scared of. I think it's just we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. I could kick myself yeah. for all the things I've done, but um, yeah, it's not going to get us anywhere. Mm. So I think you start where you are and start making small changes, yep. take on Arwen's program, which is amazing, yep. and start with what you can cope with and what's easy. And yeah, that's right, because if it's not easy, you're not going to keep doing correct. it. So, yeah, so, so true. Thank you. Well, I hope that you found that interview fascinating and you learnt a lot and it's really piqued your interest and made you determined to take some action to reduce toxins in your environment, in your home in the coming new year. What a great New Year's resolution to make. Uh, so as I mentioned at the start, there are a number of links in the show notes that you can use to take you into information about courses that I offer that will help you dive into this information a bit more deeply. Uh, I also have a link in there to my blog called uh, Healthy Environment and that has a lot more detail in it and in written form if that's how you like to get your information. So that is all in the show notes for you and also of course the contact details for Lordy for her business Clean Fresh group and also her podcast Healthier Homes and Living that is all available for you in the show notes. 
So I really have loved bringing the Five Star Wellbeing podcast to you over 2020. I will be taking a bit of a break now, probably not bringing any episodes through uh, now until February 2021. Uh, If you would like to request any particular topics, so basically, of course, I talk all about wellbeing and that does cover a broad, broad range of subjects. So if there's anything that you would like me to cover, anyone in particular that you would suggest for me to interview I would absolutely love you to let me know you can get in touch with me via my website www.evenstarwellbeing.com that is where you'll find the show notes as well your podcast platform will link you to the show notes on the website And in the meantime, I would wish you and your loved ones an absolutely beautiful, peaceful, joyful and restorative festive season. And I look forward to being back with you in what I hope is a much better year of 2021. Thank you so much.